Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to put in coming to rain. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic. Here, as always, with our guys, Fred Katz out east, Anthony Slater out west. Gentlemen, how the heck are we today? I'm, I'm good. I am loving. Seven days till the end of the regular season. That's a play-in. What does that even mean, Slater? You're, you're back on the, the Warriors beat, though. That, there's no end. There's no end in sight. What do you, what do you think? There's they, more they... interesting <laughs> basketball. There's drama ahead, you know? They're, they got three games this week that are losing relevance because seeding really across the league is starting somewhat to, you know, clarify. But, you, I mean... It is. Warriors haven't played a playoff game since 2019, good sir. Well, not only that, and we'll get, you know, this is not going to be a Warriors pod today. As you guys know, we are actually going to pivot the other direction. We're going to be talking about all the squads that are not invited to the party. You know, the play-in tournament has made that, you know, a more robust party than ever in today's NBA when it comes to who gets an invite. But you still have folks on the outside looking in. So we want to analyze. 20 get in, 10 get out now. 20 in, 10 Can out. Can we just talk about that 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 statement of extraordinary Warriors exceptionalism that Slater just made? That the Warriors haven't played a playoff game since 2019? Like, we're going to be talking about the Kings. Sacramento on line one. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine... Oh, I- can you imagine the Kings fans who tuned in for this episode yeah, and they're I like, know. wow, 2019, I feel yeah. terrible. Well, I did them. go to Kings Warriors last night and the Warriors went, beat them to officially clinch the Kings being eliminated from the playoffs. And I was like, I kind of bounced back and forth between press conferences. And yeah, I was at a, some Kings press conference last night where it was like 16 season drought set an NBA record. Like, you know, Dante DiVincenzo, you've it's been insanity. here like a month. Like, how does that hit you? And it's like really rough, rough over here in this press conference. Let me go back to the other one. So very quickly, guys, I was going to do this later, but very quickly and on a much heavier note, Slater, since you mentioned the Kings game, I just do want to say prayers and thoughts with the people in Sacramento, the victims of and the families of, of folks who lost loved ones over the weekend. That was that was awful, awful stuff. And I obviously live here, um, you know, six dead and, and 12 injured in the shootings in downtown Sacramento. And that was right down from the Golden One Arena. And to be honest with you, I know I'm taking a hard left turn here. I was going to that game to kind of half cover it 
And then it was our youngest son's birthday and I had the whole family lined up to go to the game. And, and then, you know, certainly just didn't feel like having his birthday celebration be somewhere where there were moments of silence. So we, we ended up not going, um, but brutal stuff, but you know, on a much less important note to your point on the basketball front, the, the playoff drought is incredible. And Carmichael Dave, who's prominent in this market as a radio man, longtime voice, had a tweet the other or, or this morning that was like, tell me something about your life, you know, the last time the Kings made the playoffs. You know, what what was going on? And he and I are in the same boat. We're like, my oldest son had just been born. He's 15 years old. Uh, you know, so he was one. Um, it is just, it's wild to, to think about how long that team has not been able to make it. I was it. in high school. Yeah. So, Freddie, what do you I, got? I, was I born? 2006. Born yet? <laughs> Fred born in 2006. Fred's the youngest NBA writer. No, nah, Slater in Slater is uh Slater's 3 months younger than me, but somehow he was born. I don't think I was even born yet. <laughs> Fred was dominating high school, I'm sure at the time. So the Kings are are one of the 10 squads we're going to get into today, guys, uh and and trying to talk about their off seasons, what they've got to fix to get back into this play-in party or God forbid the playoff party. Um, so let's go ahead and start out East because it just feels right because Fred Katz is Knicks beat writer extraordinaire. And, uh, I, am pretty confident saying that mathematically, I think the Knicks are out. They are looking at it here. They are five and a half games behind the Brooklyn Nets, which that's crazy in its own right, that their Nets are in 10th place. But Fred, the, the Knicks have a lot of questions to answer. They, uh, you know, they brought in. Leon Rose, they brought in Tom Thibodeau. Things were swinging in the right direction. Last season, Tibbs gets coach of the year. Uh, it, it certainly went south this season. Uh, I don't know exactly where you want to begin, but but you know, give us the 30,000-foot uh, down to the 2,000-foot view of that team that you cover. Yeah, I mean, they have they were the number four seed last year. They're going to be 11 or 12 this year. Uh, the preseason over-under was 41.5, so it's not like the expectation was that they were going to climb into home court advantage in the first round again, uh, but they, they're going to fall short of that, even so. Uh, honestly, I think, you know, we, we were talking in the chat before the podcast about kind of coming up for one big question for each team, and with the Knicks, there are, there are a lot of smaller questions, and to me, there's just one question that I cannot get out of my mind, which is, how do you get Julius Randle back on track? He has been so off all season. And I don't know if the answer is the fact that he's back on track with another organization next year, or if you try to just kind of rehab his value from within and then see what happens. But he's got a four-year contract that's going to be worth at least $106 million that hasn't even started yet. It was an extension he signed last August, and it starts next season. So he's under contract for a long time. And with the way that he's played Fred, this what's year, the age he, right now? He's 27. But you can look at the raw numbers and you're like, okay, he's averaging 20 and 10, basically. He's averaging five assists. Man, that's pretty good. But it's all it's basically all just because of ball dominance. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's all about ball dominance. He's he's been basically the worst high volume shooter in the league this year, other than Jalen Suggs, uh, who is who is a rookie who is tremendously underwhelmed, right? I mean, that is not the company you want to be in. 
He's been the worst high-volume mid-range shooter in the league. He's been the worst or second-worst high-volume three-point shooter in the league. Uh, You look at the efficiency numbers, he's just way all the way at the bottom, basically no matter what you set the qualifiers to. Uh, And then you talk about all, like, the defense has fallen off. He's not running back in transition. He's he's not in the timeouts during huddles. Well, yeah, that, I mean, like, the statistical breakdown is is obviously extremely relevant, but how about just, like, the vibe? Isn't he getting booed at the guard now? Like, the hero of the Yeah, I was going to say, can you, oh, yeah. Can you please yeah. extract meaning for those of us who are not on the ground? Uh, this whole thing where a, a local radio uh, person, I believe, had reported that he asked out. He refuted that, but then he was getting booed. And I mean, what what was the substance to come out of that? And where does it leave the dynamic? Yeah, I don't even want to say it was that a local radio person reported it. A local you wrote radio that they, person. They, they made it clear that th- this was unconfirmed, which he, is super. He got on the radio, said this is unconfirmed, right. but the word was that he asked out. But but this is unconfirmed. I don't know if it's legit, but it has legs. Said it's unconfirmed twice while, you know, air quotes reporting it. Cool, so bro. that that, that let's put it this way: it's it's not a thing that Sam Amick would do. It's not it's not to the bar of the esteemed Sam Amick. So I don't even want to call it a report. I I do believe I do believe Julius Randle when he says that that's not what happened. Uh where where my eyebrows raise more is when you know you hear the Knicks talk about how there are no issues at all and and Randle's been great all season because the reality is uh I think I actually said that they you you look at their huddles during timeouts, for example, and you see Randall just like on the side, not involved in the plays that they're coming up with, and and you see he's often the fifth guy down the floor in transition, and all these different things, and you know their offense stalls when he's on the floor. It often just turns their spacing is 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 really poor, and and it's it's just been a it's been really just a basketball problem for them. Uh, you know, they're, they're 10 points per 100 possessions worse when he's on the floor this year, and it it passes the eye test. And and, and $100 million sounds like a just a crap ton of money to give one guy. The reality is it's like $17 million less or $20 million less than what his max would be a year. Uh, it's just NBA contracts have just gotten so lucrative now that we hear $100 million. We're like, wow, that's crazy. His salary next year is going to be like the 50th biggest salary in the league. But So it's recoverable. If he plays, he doesn't have to play like he did last year. He just has to play like how he played in like New Orleans. But this has been the worst year of his career since he's become an established player without question. On the coaching front, um, you know, a lot of noise around Tom Thibodeau. Obviously, he's partly culpable for... The problems they've had a couple of weeks back, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report reported that he would be safe, that Leon Rose had essentially been given the opportunity to let go of Tom when it was not going to choose to do so. But I will say from talking to folks who I'll say their lives would be impacted by that kind of a decision, I don't think they're sleeping well at night still. Uh, it seems like there's some uncertainty there. How do you see the, the, the Tibbs side of things? Yeah, I think... I think it's more likely than not that he returns. I think that was a good report by Jake Fisher. Uh, I will also say that as we've seen with this organization before, sometimes things swerve at different moments unexpectedly. So I don't think there is anyone whose job uh, I would be betting my life on uh, them keeping right now. Uh, that said, I would my expectation, if I had to rank the most likely, if I'm putting out Vegas favorites, I would say it's more likely that Tibbs is back next year than not, and more likely that Liam Rose is back next year than not. You know, he's like, he's less than a a year removed from winning coach of the year. 
it's not like he's got nothing to hang his hat on. Yeah, and no there doubt. have been problems this year. And, uh, you know, the, the 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 issue really with Tibbs is not even necessarily the change in record. It's it's just more that there are people in that organization who are not completely his allies or not completely his supporters is what I should say right now. Uh, and, you know, Ian Begley is reported on on William Wesley, who's their executive VP Worldwide West and, and kind of the disagreements he's had with him and uh you know, there are other guys in that organization who he does not have the, you know, the 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 most sterling relationship with either. And I think that is probably the biggest problem in the long term. But my I I I don't necessarily predict that that is going to rear its head this offseason. I think that's something, you know, who knows? Maybe they, they make some changes in the offseason. They get off to another bad start next year and something happens midway into next year or even early next year. Who knows on that front? Uh, but but I would I would guess that he's okay for the offseason. All right, good stuff. Let's uh, keep it moving. we got to be somewhat brisk if we're going to make it through 10 teams. And this is now becoming, and this is this is good news, the, the Fred Katz special, because this next team we're going to get into is the one that you used to cover, the Washington Wizards. They're sitting there at 34 and 44 as we speak, basically Knicks territory. Um, you know, we know the backdrop here, the Bradley Beal extension coming up this summer. Um, and, you know, the question, as always, for years now of, is he going to continue to kind of hitch his wagon to this group? Um, how do you see your Wizards? I'm going to start with you and, and Slater chime in here as well. Yeah, kind of all starts with Bradley Beal. That's what it is. I mean, I I think the Wizards are the heavy favorites to re-sign him. Even so, they are taking a risk by going into free agency with him. Uh, that's just, that is that is a major risk if if he ends up going somewhere else, if they end up having to do a sign-in trade that's, that's not ideal, that's worse than the trade they could have done mid-season in 2022 or 2021 or 2020, then, you know, that's a problem. But that all being said, I think he is the, the favorite they are the favorites for him to choose. Uh, and I think it'll be a massive 35% max contract if and when it happens. Uh, that's, that's you know, what Beal has wanted all along. And I think the Wizards are going to be willing to offer it or or damn close to it. And then the question becomes, like, how do you build around Bradley Beal when he's on that big of a number? Because they haven't been able to do it so far to any sort of a winning way. They haven't been over 500 since 2018, a year before the Warriors even made the playoffs. And, uh, and, 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 and that becomes, you know, the real question. Like, there's a big difference between giving out a max to a guy to be your second or third guy in the door and giving him to be your first guy in the door like they're doing with Beal, uh, you know, where he's just kind of a one-time third-team All-NBA guy. And, and they got to figure out a way to where they can build around him entering his age 29 season. How do you feel like either one of you guys, you know, the Porzingis trade at the deadline, you know, Porzingis coming to the Wizards and Dinwiddie and Bertans um, going the other way. They're five and eight since that deal in the games that Porzingis has played in. Um, I'll, I'll, you can know, I spin I, it positively I, somewhat? Sure, I was in please, D.C. a sure. couple of weeks ago. Uh, there seems to be somewhat of a positive vibe around him in there. I was there pregame and he was like doing meet and greets after his um, – uh, you know, whatever pregame warm up and uh, you're talking about Porzingis. Porzingis. Yeah. And 
I don't know exactly know who he was meeting up with, but there was probably like six guys that were it seemed like business guys in DC that wanted to get pictures with them, and they were all like, "Man, you've been great since you've been here, Kristaps." But you look, especially <laughs> lately, twenty three and a win over the Warriors that night, thirty and a win over the Pistons, thirty five and a win over the Magic, and twenty four and a win over the Mavericks the other day. They blew the Mavericks out. Um, I think that trade's worked out a little bit for both sides. I'm not sure. I love. Porzingis long term, but he has seemed to fit in better there than whatever was going on in Dallas. Definitely good trade for both teams. Spencer Dinwiddie has been incredible in Dallas. I mean, he's yeah, been for sure. amazing for them coming off the bench. I mean that he it was the definition too. of a definition of a change of scenery trade from all sides. I mean, the thing with the Wizards that it kind of does is I was fine with that particular trade for the Wizards. Like they they brought in Porzingis who is on an expensive deal, but they gave out two guys, Davis Bertans and Spencer Dimwitty, who were also on expensive deals. Uh, the thing that the Wizards have done is they've made these trades that you look at and you say, oh, that's a good trade on its face, but it's often to recover for a mistake that they didn't necessarily need to make. So it's it, it's not, it's not this is not a Tommy Shepard specific uh, thing. I mean, it goes back to Ernie Grunfeld too, where it's, you know, you give John Wall the supermax it ends up being too much, and you make a good trade for Russell Westbrook, but it's to save the fact that you gave John Wall the supermax. You you flip Russell Westbrook for all those pieces, including Spencer Dimwitty, but that ended up being an expensive contract with Dimwitty, and obviously, from the locker room perspective, it didn't work with Dimwitty at all. You make a great trade for Davis Bertans, but then you give him five for 80, and that ends up being way too much. So now you got to cover up the mistake of the Bertans contract by bringing in Porzingis, another really expensive contract. And it's just kind of this cycle that's uh, persisted there for a, for a long time. So on its face, I think that was a good deal. I think the problem for the Wizards is that they end up making those greater mistakes they have to recover from, and that's often what hampers them. I, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. I'd say Slater, last on that, like the Kuzma has turned out to be a, a very good find for them. Whatever you want, you know, part of that trade. He's coming up on a deal, though. I'm just curious where his money goes. So that would be the only other thing on them. But we can move on. No, it's He's just, second it is, in the NBA you know. in clutch time three point makes. Kyle Kuzma just chucking up every single three at the end of close games. I think he's taking more clutch time threes than any player in the league sam good knowledge good knowledge all right i'm going to move on to the old indiana pacers um they have struggled yet again they do that deal at the deadline obviously for demata sabonis for tyrese halliburton and buddy healed coming back the other way i feel like i'm forgetting a piece in that trade but those were the main pieces um listen tyrese has been special for them uh and, and played really really well uh, you know, they're in a major slide at the moment, have lost seven in a row, not going in the right direction right now. You know, the macro here is that this has become the Rick Carlisle, you know, production, you know, that he's not just a head coach. He got influence on the roster. He's got seemingly an unofficial kind of front office role. You know, Kevin Pritchard is is, is certainly doing his thing, but but Rick is is the guy, in my opinion, you know, running a lot of that stuff out there. Um, how do we see the Pacers? I mean, I think this a bonus trade um, it was just a good reset for them, right? Um, I mean, just getting that Halliburton piece was probably a better individual asset than than most expected them to be able to get in a Sabonis trade. Uh, and 
his fit with Brogdon, you know, I think, I think there's maybe some roster rearrangement coming this summer around, you know, um, Halliburton. I'm curious, you know, we heard all season, you know, Miles Turner trade, Miles Turner trade. Then I think the foot injury kind of took him off the market. Um, now he's going to come back to a team next season, potentially. But also, I mean, Sabonis leaving. Yeah, I was going to say. intents and purposes yeah. gave him what he wanted, which it was never personal. Those two guys got along, but they, you know, he wanted a, a bigger role. And, and I don't have those numbers in front of me, but Sabonis was the thing, you know, standing in the way of his bigger role. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, so maybe he does come back, but. You know, they could also, if they're in a full rebuild, I mean, it would, I think, because I think he's entering the last year, season of his deal. Yeah, he's expiring next year. He's 18 million. Yeah, so next season. I mean, they're, to me, they're not, I don't think it's, although, you know, I guess the franchise, their franchise does operate, ownership operates in a way where it's like, you know, okay, we're not like, you know, doing this like teardown type rebuild. It's more, you know, reset now and, you know, zoom and try to get back to like six, seven seed range. So maybe they want Turner. They want to like rearrange to make the playoffs next season. They had, I mean, they've got some pieces to where, you know, as we, as we go through some of these teams, um, they're, they're, I think among the most likely to enter the play in mix, at least, uh, you know, in their conference next season. Um, but you know, uh, I actually like that they've lost seven in a row. If they could add a, another draft pick and what, you know, it's a decent draft up top lottery, uh, that that could kind of speed this forward a bit. Well, and we know Carlisle's, you know, pedigree. We know his, you know, kind of his wiring. He's just, he's been winning for a lot of years. He's To me, you're going to have some big swings, you know, that are inspired by him this summer of some kind. Yeah, you're right. Halliburton is, Halliburton is unbelievably good, by the way. You know, in the last two weeks, he's had two games of 15-plus assists and zero turnovers. Right. He's 21 years old. Like, he is he is going to be a hell of a player. He's already a good player. Like, he is going to be a hell of a player. That's a that's a huge chip for them to have moving forward. The, I mean, uh, I'm, the I'm with Sacramento Wi-Fi cut like, out Fred right there to say no. Yeah, Sacramento said, we don't want to hear this. Turner, Turner can um, Turner can want to trade all he wants or not want to trade all he wants. I just don't see why if he's healthy and the foot injury isn't a concern for other teams, why Indiana shouldn't continue to shop him. And and I kind of feel the same way about Brogdon. You know, they, they couldn't trade Brogdon at the trade deadline this year. He wasn't eligible because he signed that extension before the season, which, which made him untradeable past the trade deadline, but, but they can deal him in the off season. And I wonder if they're going to listen to offers because he's a good player who could fit a lot of different places. Uh, and, and I feel like that's a reasonable number that he got extended on. I, I feel like right. that's something they could get where 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 they could kind of reconfigure their roster. And I don't know if he's as needed as he was coming into this year because Halliburton can, I mean, he looks like a dude who can just run the show. And if you can get another complimentary piece, it doesn't have to be Brogdon for picks and young players. It could be something more viable for the present if you want to operate that way as an organization. I just I think Halliburton is good right now, and and you can react as if you have a 21 year old who is already good, right, running your show, right, right. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to get a quick ad break in here. On the other side of this, we are going to talk about the final two teams in the East, Detroit and Orlando, and then make our way to the West. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfume, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, 
clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromatic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. All right, guys, we're getting into the bottom of the barrel in the east. Your Detroit Pistons are, are, are coming at you with an interesting group. Cade Cunningham, of course, has played extremely well. I mean, most of the season, but certainly in the second half, has had a major uptick and gotten himself into kind of the, the edges of that rookie of the year conversation. Jeremy Grant did not get traded at the deadline. Dwayne Casey, I think, worth watching on the coaching front to see you know if he remains. Um, but by and large, they, they are one of those teams that has kind of one foot in the rebuild, but not totally giving up on, on, you know, competing, or at least that's how they went into the year. Um, the front office has some interesting dynamics too, before I throw it to you guys, you got Troy Weaver, who's now been there for a number of years who, you know, the, to me, the grant situation at the deadline, and I'm a sucker for all these interpersonal dynamics that, that kind of lead to the decision making with all of these teams. So Troy on the Jeremy Grant front had these close ties to Jeremy on a personal level, believed in him, certainly still as a player, wanted him to keep leading uh, kind of as they form their culture out there. But then you started hearing for the first time in a couple of years that Arn Tellum, who went there largely in a business capacity uh, some years back, you know, certainly the the founder and, and former head of the, uh, the Wasserman Media Group, um, that he was having a lot of influence. And so, you know, those kinds of things kind of bubble up and, and make you wonder about how all the decisions get made going forward. Um, but, but how do we see the Pistons? I think their season went how you'd want it to, which is your number one overall pick looks like a number one overall pick by the end of his first season. Um, they didn't win enough, although they're winning maybe a little bit too much lately, if you know what I mean. Um, and, but but now they could go into this offseason going, how do you build around Cade Cunningham? That should be the only question, right? You know, like every decision should be made like to build this roster moving forward that fits a Cade Cunningham team because that's just like clearly, you know, how they should roster construct moving forward. The questions I have in the offseason, Jeremy Grant, you know, what happens with him? Uh, obviously, it's it's it seemed to be he you know they've tested the water on his market so many times. Uh, I'm curious if if they do accelerate a move this summer and, and and figure that out and then what draft pick do they get and how you know pick based on how it pairs with Cade Cunningham you know it would would Jaden Ivey for example be a very good you know running mate with Cade Cunningham in a backcourt like he's kind of more of a scoring size point guard that's more of a two where Cunningham is a big you know tradit more like kind of traditional point again like everything that I think about with the Pistons is completely based on longer term rebuild around Cade Cunningham. And, but the the first step 
is the hardest step finding a Cade Cunningham, and he does seem to be that type of player. Fred, before you jump in, a quick side story that I enjoyed. When the Pistons played the Nets the other night, you know, Richard Jefferson does a really nice job, obviously, on TV, and his analyst role with the Nets, he, he was watching Cade, and like to see a guy in Richard who was an extremely accomplished NBA player and, and who, you know, whose perspective is, is different than, you know, than, than most man, he was just watching Cade and raving about where this kid is going to go. And just, it was all the nuanced stuff. It wasn't even highlight plays his his just kind of his floor management, his instincts, his vision and the way he moves and, and kind of the swagger that he had. You're kind of watching this game going, man, Richard forgot for a minute that he was kind of supposed to paint the picture of the Nets. He was going crazy about Cade, and and we've seen a lot of that kind of play in the second half here. Cade's feel for the game is really good. It's really good. But he's not their only good young guy. They got a nice they got a nice little yeah. core. Like Sadiq Bay had 50 a couple weeks ago. He had 31 last night. He had 22 in the first half. He can get hot. Like, Did Vegas have a line uh, going into the year if, if Sadiq Bay would have 50? I, I think I would have taken that money. <laughs> yeah. Not that I yeah, gamble. I it, it would have capped out. You're right, you're right. Not, not, not that I gamble, of course. Never. Uh, yeah, I mean, Isaiah Stewart is getting better. He's he's shooting. He just randomly started shooting threes last week. I, I don't know. I guess I'm not following the Pistons close enough because... All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Isaiah Stewart shot two for three from three last week, and now he's just taking three threes a game. Uh, and just seemingly out of nowhere, he's shooting threes, which is a big development. Their defense has been much better the last month and a half, which I think is a big thing for them. They have such a young roster, and they're playing so many young guys, but they play hard as hell, and they're really active with their hands defensively, and they talk well. Uh, I just, I think... I think they have something there. Like I think I I don't know if they're going to be like legitimately good next year. They might be too young and they might be too concentrated on development. But I think they like have something to where this group can become good. You want to know the one interesting player who has showed up on their showed up on their doorstep trade deadline wise, and this ropes into another team. Marvin Bagley's been solid for them. You know he's he's double doubling, but he's you know he is a restricted free agent. Um, his qualifying offer sheet, just because he was a second overall pick, is like really high. Um, so I don't think they'll they'll I assume throw the qualifying offer at him, um, which would make him technically unrestricted. But he you know all the quotes coming out you read from James Edwards and and coming out of Detroit from Bagley are very much like feels like oh I found a home type thing like I think this core is going to be you guys good are just forward. pouring all the salt in the Kings fans well, wounds today we're going to get to them and I'm <laughs> sure it's going to be a very positive segment um but you know I just you know Fred mentioned their young core you know they didn't doesn't seem like they hit on the the Killian Hayes pick at all but the the last like year of moves that they've made have really t- turned out well it seems all right, last squad in the East. Let's talk a little Orlando Magic. I don't know how much we have here, um, but Fred, you are taking the lead on this one. We we determined this coming in. How do you guys see the Magic? <laughs> how, do I, how do I see Why the Magic? Because I, I just threw the ball at you? Because you asked me, how do I see the Magic? And my answer is, I try my best not to see the Magic. <laughs> uh, no, yours should be, I, I don't see any Magic. There's no Magic happening. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Their offense is so bad. Uh, they're last in the league in offensive efficiency. Uh, Suggs has been disappointing, but I'm going to talk the positive first. Uh, Franz Wagner is legitimately good. I'm going to pump Franz Wagner on every single podcast. 
He's good. He's one of the Frogs. he's one of the five best rookies from the, in this rookie class. He he is a deserving first team all rookie kind of guy. I think he's going to be a legitimate player. He can shoot. He can do stuff off the dribble. He can distribute. Like that's a that's a good piece for them where they took him. I I think the big question is like how much do they believe in their guards? Because they have a lot of young guards. They've got Cole Anthony. They've got Jalen Suggs. They have Markel Fultz there somewhere. Like he's he's somewhere there with three years on a deal. Uh they've got RJ Hampton. Like they've they've got this group of young guards, but like are any of those guys gonna become kind of lead sort of guys? I think Cole Anthony has has the best chance of it. He's had some some really big moments this year. I think he's gonna be a good player. Uh but I just I just wonder like if they they have they have the worst record in the league right now. But if they end up with like the fourth pick, and J- like Jalen Ivy is there or Shaden Sharp is there, like what is what is their pick? Do they do they want to take a, another guard there and add it to the mix? Do they care about positions at all? Which I don't know if they should. Uh, I'm just I'm curious what they are going to decide. Uh, what they're going to decide on this, and I'm curious what their belief in Suggs is after he's had a you know a really down offensive season to start. They should, career. yeah. I was going to say if I told you the the over under on Jalen Suggs PER player efficiency rating uh, was eight, would you take the over? Or the Just under? because you, f- yeah, because you under. framed it that way. I'm taking the under. Whatever. No, I see. I tricked oh. you. It was eight point seven five. Oh, take the whoa. over. Wow. <laughs> this guy's this guy's like in his Vegas bag today. He's talking about gambling. He's I know. Like, right? Um. Yeah, I would say they should draft uh, whoever they think has the best chance to become a superstar because they, in my opinion, don't look like they have a future superstar on their roster. Wagner, good, solid piece. You're right. Great eighth overall pick. First team all rookie. Seems like a good, you know, 3 and D wing that can do some stuff off the dribble. Is he ever going to be an all NBA player? I don't think so. Uh, Suggs, uh, you know, he's got some defensive potential capability uh he'll be better obviously i think raptors fans are okay yes, with scotty barnes I, I over Suggs See, at this point but that's the big thing right you look at some of these rebuilds and i'm we won't even get to barnes but we just talked about the pistons they seem like they found their you know hub the guy who you look at the orlando magic history of the orlando magic they were were relevant when they had shaq penny and they were relevant when they had dwight howard superstars like all nba first team type guys I like some of their young pieces. I think they found Wendell Carter and they have him, you know, on, uh, I think they like kind of resuscitated his, his value, but they just, they cannot draft to fit a roster that to me doesn't have a one a, and they need to find a one a, and that's very likely not coming through free agency because it never really does for Orlando. So they just got to keep kind of hacking away at the draft and, and, and hoping to find a big, big piece. Cause I still don't think they have it on the roster. I also well, don't say a, never. There was a there was a time when they they got Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady. And so al- don't say never. And almost Tim Duncan. But it, it just feels like those times are not now. And and Billy Donovan for 48 hours. Oh lord. That's They've gotten them. I lived that because that led to Stan Van Gundy uh reneging on the last well, every reneging coming close to reneging on the Kings and his head coaching you know, soiree with them. Do you guys remember that story? I might have told that on the pod before. Does that ring a bell or no? No, it actually doesn't. All right, quick version, because we're already too much Kings. We got a lot of Western teams to get into. Donovan deciding not to do the magic job happened when Stan Van Gundy 
was literally interviewing physically in Sacramento and had come out, you know, Jeff Petrie and their group were kind of whining and dining him and things were going really well. And people thought that Stan was going to be the next coach of the Kings. But then lo and behold, the job that he wanted more than Sacramento, Orlando opens up and now it's super uncomfortable and awkward because he's in Sacramento. Um, but his, his kind of, his heart is suddenly in Orlando and, and to Stan's credit, I gotta be fair on this. He has owned this. He apologized publicly to the Kings knows he made some mistakes here. PR wise, he did not have an agent at the time and where it got messy was I literally was, was in the lobby of a hotel where he was staying kind of trying to catch him on the way out of town for, for an interview. And I'm the beat writer at the time. And, uh, and lo and behold, later learned that while he was going around downtown Sacramento, finishing off this interview, he snuck off to a local copy store, Kinko's, to fax his contract to the Magic and take that job. And, you know, the Kings having no idea at the time that that was taking place. This is why, kids, you go get an agent if you are a coach in the NBA, because they handle stuff like that. It was just a, a tough look, and, and some of that stuff got out, and, and Stan was kind of, you know, trying to get out of town quickly because the magic was, uh, that's where he wanted Sam, to be. Sam, this is just the, another shot at the Kings in this podcast. We can't get know, through one Eastern Conference team without somehow redirecting it towards Six King. degrees of Kings. Send, All right, send I us, apologize. Sponsored by hey, Kings. Hey, Sam, send us to an ad break, <laughs> and on the other side, we'll talk Kings super positively, I'm sure. I don't want to start Kings. We're going to build up to it. We're going to, we're going to start on the, uh, the bottom of okay. the West, but I hear you. We're going to go to the West in a minute after this break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, gents, let's work our way from the bottom up in the West. Just so for fun, we uh, we end with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, the Houston Rockets, 20 and 59. It seems like 10 years ago that James Harden, you know, with a few extra LBs and a few less, uh, you know, calories burned in his play on the court, wasn't competing that hard, kind of, you know, pouting his way out of Houston, getting traded to Brooklyn, all that saga that led to what they have now. Um, the Rockets are essentially on track. This was kind of the plan was to rebuild. I think there's some question about, you know, Steven Silas and his future with the team. You know, last I have heard is that, you know, his, the messaging coming his way is that he should be fine, but you never know in this league. I think there's, you know, there's been some question about him for a while. Um, How do the Rockets get back to a place where again, Slater, it wasn't that long ago that they were, Toe to toe with your your dynasty warriors doing their thing, and and this is a whole different track. Yeah, again, I think with all these young teams we're talking about, it is about the young players. You know, it, it's 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 they took Jalen Green second overall. That looked like maybe early in the season one of the more disappointing picks of what has been a loaded top ten. Um, but eh, he's been better in the second half. I still think the type of player he profiles as he was always going to be super inefficient early in his career. He's going to, they were going to let him explore. The one thing I do like from the Rockets, they've really committed to a plan, right? I mean, this was a, this is a full longer term rebuild. Even when they made the Harden trade, it was like, no, not the Simmons package. They were going to go for the, you know, big picks package and they were going to kind of bottom out. Um, so I actually think this season from a plan perspective has gone well, they're going to get a, probably a very, you know, a, top three, top four type pick. Uh, Sengun, I think, was very good value at 16. Usman Garuba, I like the pick at the time. He hasn't done much in his rookie season. Um, you know, Josh Christopher, I get, but to me, it's all about the young players, and it's kind of in a mixed bag. We'll see with Jalen Green. I'm sure Fred's got some takes, but um, I'm okay with their the direction they're heading, but it is going to be itsy. You know, you mentioned a couple years ago, me and you down there covering West Finals. They're a long way from that, right? This is a long rebuild. Jalen Green can score. Like I, he can I, dunk I, too. I'm, I'm, in game dunking, man. Dude's a monster. I'm, not I'm slam dunk contest dunking. You know what I'm saying? No. He could. I mean, you know. Well, that was ugly. Yeah, but in game, man, is he's he's a beast. I'm starting to get sold on him as a scorer for real. Like he's he's had four straight thirty point games very quietly because. It's the Rockets, and there's a week left in the season, and they have one of the worst records in the league. But he's had four straight 30-point games. Like, you're a rookie. You're putting up four straight 30-point games. That's something. Uh, yeah. Since March 1st, Jalen no Green. no Sadiq Bey, though. <laughs> no Sadiq Bey. That's the tagline for Jalen Green. <laughs> no Sadiq Bey. Since March 1st, because we, we keep cutting off like second-half stats for, for Cade Cunningham. But let's do the same thing with Jalen Green. Let's let's make too much of second half stats like we always do. Overreaction. Since March first. Jalen Green, twenty two points a game, forty eight from the field, forty one from three on eight three point attempts a game. 
He's he's got I like it. He can create threes off the dribble. Those are catch and shoots. He's got a nice step back. Like I don't know if the I think Cade is the better prospect because of he's got he's got that size at point guard. He's he's already a really good passer. He sees the floor in a way that you know, basically very, very few other guys are able to, and he's got the height to be able to pass over defenses as well. He's a better rebounder. He's a headier player, all of that. But I think Jalen Green, like he, he's going to score a ton. Yes. Uh, Fred, your Wi-Fi. Your Wi-Fi was like in and out and it made you super speedy on, on your last answer. <laughs> um, the, the, the loom. That was 1.5 times speed, Fred. Yeah. The, the, um, the big, you know, question that we haven't talked about this summer is like, and Sam, maybe you could speak to this quickly before we move on from the Rockets. But you know, John, the John Wall's on the roster. Look at the roster right now; yeah. he's still there. Yeah, yeah. They got to do something there. Yeah, they do. And you know, is that maybe it ends up being you get wrapped in the Russell Westbrook move when we get to the Lakers? Um, but you know, get some picks from that. You know, to try to somehow get any. T- you know, if they can get an asset for for John Wall, I think that's a win. But you know, that's kind of looming over them. Yeah, no, they I have a few moves the they can make because they've got Christian they've got Wood Wall, too. Wall's got the uh, yeah Christian Wood and uh, Eric Gordon yep. as well. Like Christian Wood's going to be expiring. We'll see if they just want to see what they can get for him. And 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 it feels like Eric Gordon has been on the market since 1973. So, yep, I I would agree. It, Gordon feels like he's going to be on the move. Um, you know, maybe Wood as well. The the Wall thing. I do think the Laker situation could resurface. Um, you know, again, we'll get to the Lakers, but you know, Westbrook finding a new home, I think is going to be a priority. So that is your Rockets breakdown and who we got next. I lost my standings here, guys. Andrew selects Oklahoma city. Thunder. Oh, I don't know if he's, Oh, I forgot about the select factor on, on timing of this pod is select available. We're now going to have to pause the program. If he ain't popping on, he ain't available. How about we save the thunder potentially for last and we go to the Thunder are going to be last because Andrew Trail Blazers. People, yeah, if people don't know, Andrew lives in OKC, lives and breathes Thunder coverage, an expert on that front. So Portland, man. First of all, um, I saw an interview the other day with Damian Lillard that it was a YouTube special, um, and I feel guilty because I'm forgetting the name of the one, young woman who interviewed him, but it it just reminded me how distant he feels right now. He was talking about how much he enjoyed his time with his family. And, and, and honestly it wasn't said as a shot to the media. I don't blame him. He kind of talked about how nice it was to not answer questions every single day. And just, he's living a normal person's life right now. Cause he's obviously shut down for the season, but it was not that long ago that the kind of chaos reigned in Portland. You know, we had the Neil O'Shea situation early on that, that, uh, you know, led to Joe Cronin taking over the front office and questions abound up there. Uh, I am still pretty stunned that, that you know, I, I thought probably by now that, that a Damien trade request would have come, but he appears to be continuing to see, you know, how they build this roster. And I think that to my knowledge, there seems to be some synergy between he and, and Cronin in the front office in terms of like, does this, knew what was deemed interim GM have the confidence of the franchise player. Um, I don't think Cronin's going anywhere. We'll see if that happens. Um, you know, and of course on the coaching front, Chauncey Billups is, has been trying to help push this thing in the right direction too. Um, you know, I don't know where you guys want to start with the Blazers, but they, 
you know, they've they've got um, some pieces. They they shook it up big time at the deadline and and a lot in play right now. Yeah, it it does seem if they were going to let Cronin go, that's kind of wild to allow him to make like the monumental moves that he was allowed to make at the deadline, and then right. you know take take the power away. Um, but you know him and. It seems like him, Billups, and Lillard do have some type of synergy, but the messaging that they're putting out and the and clearly what Lillard seems to be told the way that you know he shut it down for the season to probably help them get a better draft pick, which you know that's either a good draft pick or, or a trade asset, but it doesn't seem like they're ready to hit the reset button. They they seem to prefer the idea of like a one year pause and move forward. You know, even when you go up there, you talk to people around, and they, you know, if you're I've gone up there while obviously being covering the Warriors and they're like, well, they're kind of doing what the Warriors were trying to do with remember the year that Steph broke his hand and they ended up getting the number two overall pick. They get Wiseman. But this idea of the one year pause within a a run. Now, obviously, the Warriors had more success before uh, and probably profiled to have more potentially after. But I think they want to be in the playoffs next season. Like, I don't think this is like post Damian Lillard era. Get ready for at least that's my read. <clears throat> with what kind of core, though? I mean, you know, one name, Jeremy Grant continues to be tied to them. They clearly want a, a forward, I, right? Like a like a do-everything type forward. Yeah, and I think, he, you know, Dame's going to be, I think, kind of providing a few names that the guys he would like to see. I think Jeremy's one of those. But um, to me, they're still, man, it's, I mean, I know he's a hell of a player, but he's coming off a long stretch, and, and this is almost, it's not Clay Thompson-esque by any means in terms of the timeline, but... It's it's going to be a long time when he's out there again. He, he says he's feeling better than ever, and that the stomach surgery that he had done, you know, is something that he had to do, and and he'd been dealing with for years. But um, it's it's hard to see a path. I mean, I, it's not hard to see a path to them Play winning games. Yeah, it, it's hard to see a path to the the kind of title contention that I thought Lillard was was aiming for. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, they they also. Oh, sorry. sorry I was just say I agree with your skepticism. It's just. To me, that seems to be where they're heading. Like belief that they're going to go into next season, like with playoff expectations. Simon's next, basically playing the McCollum role. Try to get a forward, a big swing forward in. Try to get a top draft pick, whether they use it or, like I said, maybe use it in a trade. But uh, they seem to be reforming with an idea that that I think me and you are both properly skeptical about. But we'll see. Sorry, Fred. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think the thing is that if you want to keep Dame, which obviously they do, the the one year kind of reshuffle is is sort of your only option organizationally. Like he's he's going to be thirty two at the start of next year. You don't really have the ability to go two year rebuild, three year rebuild, and I'm sure part of Dame not wanting out is the ability to at least compete. I can't imagine that it, at 32 years old, Dame is going to want to play for for a team that's just losing every single year. They also have the ability to create a crap ton of cap space they do. if they want to. And they could use that to try to sign somebody, which is pretty damn unlikely, but they could also use it to bring in a big contract. Like, what if Philly gets to a situation where they just want to be able to get off of Tobias Harris because they can bring in another big salary to add to Embiid yeah. and Harden? Yeah. You know, that's that's a team no, that you for can sure. look at as like a Tobias Harris team. You know, stuff stuff like that they're capable of doing too. 
No, I agree completely. I'm trying to look at you know the free agent list here to see if anybody makes sense. The, the Tobias thing is something that we have heard in the past. I so wonder a about a big you, offer sheet from them to like Miles Bridges, but you know it'd probably be matched by Charlotte. But you know those type of players, right? I think you know it's right. it's, it's certainly like a forward who can shoot it, defend. I mean, they've been, as we both know, have been enamored with the Draymond Green idea for years, right? And I think it's like, that, yeah. can they find that? But are you going to double down? I mean, that's where it gets dicey to me if you're the Blazers. Like, you already have to wait and see how Dame looks when he comes back. Like, I'm sorry, you just do. Um, based on age, based on the absence. And then, you know, what it would take to get a guy like Draymond. I mean, if the Warriors kind of, you know. Well, yeah, and I'm not even necessarily up. talking about Draymond specifically, but like that sure. you know, profile of a player is something that they, right. they've they always seemed like they were on the search for. It seemed like what they were kind of hoping Larry Nance might be, but obviously that didn't work out. Um, but can we do Kings quick before I bounce and, and Andrew can hop in for me on Thunder? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sam, maybe I should kind of. Off to Sacramento. You know lead this your way but to me you know as we talk about a lot of these seasons um you know that we have houston oklahoma city orlando detroit like they went generally well you know young guys look pretty good you lost enough games to get another high pick it's what you wanted uh even if it's not pretty you know going through the process where portland is injury related kings you know, they aren't the most disappointing of the 10 teams that, that are basically eliminated from the playoffs at this point. I'd say Lakers and Knicks. Um, Lakers one, Knicks two, Kings three, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you'd put Kings two. But clearly they wanted to make the playoffs. I think we're, we're that's very clear that that was the uh, hope, expectation uh, around the franchise. And they didn't. They made the big swing at the deadline, which I think even when they made it, there was hope maybe they could strike lightning and, and hop into the playing mix. They haven't. Um, so to me, moving forward, it's all about this Fox bonus pairing that they've committed themselves to. They're two guys who they're very talented. Uh, they have a unique pick and roll combination. Um, but they, neither of them are really good shooters and neither of them are very good defenders. So you have to build pretty smartly and uh, around that with guys who can shoot and defend. And those guys aren't very, you know, three and D guys, as we all talk about, they're very hard to find in the league. Um, this is, it's a tough challenge for them. I think going into the summer with obviously, again, the expectation that they want to come in to next season, making the playoffs. This is not a, a big restart, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't know how to <clears throat> spin it forward too much. Um, you know, you got the coaching situation, that, you know, I'd be surprised if Alvin Gentry was back. And so, you know, I think there would be a robust search there. You're, you're starting to hear a few names early on. We'll see what happens there. Um, the front office has got, like a lot of them do, a lot of layers to it, which is interesting. You know, Monty McNair and Wes Wilcox. But then, you know, a guy that folks don't talk about all that much, Joe Dumars, you know, um, and whose title, specific title I forget, but certainly, you know, kind of owner Vivek Ranadive's right-hand guy and, it's still very influential in that space. And Vivek is vocal is, for an owner, you know what I mean? So he is, and he's and, and Joe is the guy that you know he's kind of the connective tissue to the front office, um, and and a guy who has obviously you know far more front office experience than anybody there, um, and and a high profile to boot. So he he does get lost in the shuffle because he's not real visible. He's not sitting courtside, um, but he is a big part of what they do. So. I don't know what direction they're going to take this. You, you know, they're probably going to take phone call or trade calls on Harrison Barnes. Um, although they, you know, going into the deadline, they they chose to keep 
Barnes. They they certainly like he, Barnes a lot as a player. He kind of fits what they need, though, right? You know, he could defend yeah. a little bit. He can hit threes. At, at, I hear you, but it's just you got to give something to get. So where are you taking this whole thing? No, I agree. Um, I mean, it's looking stuck in the middle. I mean, Rashawn Holmes, who is a whole different, you know, he's he's, he's dealing with legal trouble now, which is, um, you know, something that that is sensitive, but basketball wise, uh, you know, he's got three years left around 33 million. It looks like, you know, fairly reasonable 35 million, uh, contract, uh, strike two for me, 33 and a half million. Sorry. Holmes is somebody who, you know, has value and who, uh, got boxed out a little bit with the Sabonis trade. And so, you know, you see, you know, the DiVincenzo, they're going to try to hold on to him and restricted free agency, but the De'Aaron Fox situation, he's played pretty well, you know, since they did that deal. So I feel like they probably continue to ride with De'Aaron and try to see where they can take this Fox a bonus core. Yeah, and then, um, you know, you mentioned Davion Mitchell within that. Fox had played well, but then suddenly, you know, Fox has been out. He's basically out for the season at this point. Um, and right. Mitchell has suddenly looked a lot better in an on-ball role. So, like, how do those two fit next to each other? You know, you had the three-guard issues. Now it's kind of like the two-guard. How do Because that theoretically should be your starting backcourt. But I don't know how much that. Well, plays. and this is again. I mentioned uh, my buddy Carmichael Dave earlier, and and he's closer to it than I am. He's he's on it every day. You know, he tweeted the other day that he's like to the fans. You know, like it or not, I'm telling you right now. Like, I think that's going to be your starting backcourt next year is Fox and Mitchell, which is obviously very undersized. But you know, in terms of you know the the young players they're investing in, that's th- those are two of the guys they believe in the most. Hey Sam, when was the last time the Kings? didn't finish in the bottom 10 in defense just finished above 20th above i shoot i couldn't even tell you fred i'm assuming hopefully that you've looked this up how bad is it no we're just doing some live podcasting and i'm just (laughs) scrolling back years and years and years and 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 they still haven't gone above 20th i'm in 2009 right now above and they still haven't gone above 20th i mean it's just it's it's i mean i here you go 2005 2006 they finished 12th in points allowed per possession. And that was the last time they finished better than 20th in defense. That's ext- that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. That well, was it, by that no also helps you understand the, way, the last time they made the playoffs. Yeah, it also helps you understand why, you know, when they drafted Davion Mitchell, there was a lot of pushback and and it, the irony was that the previous front office with Vladi Divac, you know, had chosen fit over talent and that was the ill-fated Marvin Bagley pick instead of Luka Doncic. So this time they just go not only for talent, but the thing that does cut into that defensive trend that you're highlighting, Fred, uh, even if, you know, Davion, in terms of fit, at the time made people wonder because you had De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton and and uh, and then Davion as well. So that's, you know, they, they tried to add some defenders and and we'll see if they ever fix this thing, but it's it's not pretty out there. Out here, I should say. We now have Andrew Schlecht back on the program, super producer, who uh, usually is just Mr. Humility and stays in the background. Now he's jumping on stage because his Oklahoma City Thunder are the topic of discussion. Andrew, what's up, brother? What's up, guys? Thank you for joining us. How, you know, tell us uh, just what we should make of this Thunder group going forward, you know, beyond the fact that they have every draft pick, have you know, virtually every international prospect. And uh, and it's a little bit different from the old Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook days. What does this summer look like for Sam Presti and company? 
Yeah, I mean, it's all about May 17th when the draft lottery happens. They currently sit at fourth in the reverse standings, and they need some luck. I mean, last year they had like a 70% chance to have at least one top five pick. They ended up with none. Uh, they had poten- the potential to get two. And they ended up getting a good player. Josh Giddy's a good player. Is he the game changer that a Scotty Barnes or an Evan Mobley or Cade Cunningham are? That remains to be seen. I think you have to lean no on that. Uh, and then they just have interesting decisions to make because they're sitting out a lot of guys right now. I mean, yesterday the question was, are they going to have enough guys to play a game? Or are they going to have to call somebody from the blue to play? Because they only had, they potentially only had uh, seven guys available, so they needed one more guy. Uh, they ended up having Poku ended up playing. He was great. He had a triple double. It was a fun game. They ended up beating the Suns, uh, which was fun in the moment for the Thunder. But also, they had a chance to sit at third in their verse standings because Detroit won yesterday too. So it's all about lottery luck at this point because they've got they've got some good players. Shea is really good. His post All Star break numbers were ridiculous. I mean, he's like 36 and six with like 60 over 60% true shooting. He was great post all-star break, but I, I, I don't think the Thunder want to be a team that wins next year. That's like competing for the, the play in. I think that they would like to wait until the next CBA is ratified. So they know what the, the rules are for the game that they're playing with regards to team building. So my guess is that they're going to try to be bad again next year, but a lot of people in Oklahoma City are asking, like, how much longer can you hold back this Shea Gilgis Alexander, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy team? Like, can you hold them back another year? And that, that to me is like the real question. As a quick aside, yes, Andrew, Andrew, what's I was gonna say, what's the mood? Because again, I have one version of the OKC experience in my mind when you go to a game. I mean, that place back in the day was rocking. Um, what is the the landscape look like now for games? Yeah, it's I saw a lot of Suns jerseys last night. There's I mean a lot of I mean when the Celtics were here it was a majority like pro Celtics crowd. And that's just kind of the way that it's going to be until they're good again. Most people I think understand the process that they're going through. And so a, a random Monday night game like you're not going to have great attendance. But right. you know, weekend games like yesterday they have a six o'clock tip here locally in Oklahoma city. Like the crowd is pretty packed, you know, a lot of people cheering for the thunder, a lot of people cheering for the Suns. you know, people are still, it's still cool to have an NBA team here. That's it's kind of like, there's only been an NBA team here for a decade. And so it's still kind of a cool thing to have an NBA right. team here. And, and especially seeing Chris Paul come back through was, was kind of a sure. fun moment. Andrew, knowing how Sam Presti thinks he's so, uh, and he's always been like this. Uh, he's he's kind of obsessed with the concept of you have to sustain greatness for as long as possible so you can get as many bites at the apple. He doesn't want to necessarily do short-term stuff. And that's kind of the exact same philosophy he's applied to the tank, right? It's like, yeah. okay, you might not hit on one single pick. So just it, it, when it comes to drafting, you can actually you can't necessarily control your batting average as much as you want, but you kind of can control how many at bats you get. So he's just kind of trying to get as many at bats as he possibly can. But because they have so many picks, they have what nine hundred and seventy two picks over the next seven years, <laughs> something like that. 
because because they have that many, they just can't put all those guys on one roster because there yeah. are rules about how many players you can have on a roster. So at some point, they are going to put together three picks and trade for somebody. Yeah. What I I don't think that point is going to be this summer. No. I don't think that point is going to be February 2023 trade deadline. Nope. But conceptually, not even in terms of a timeline, like what is that point? How many stars do they have to have? How good do they have to feel about their young guys? How good does the does the record have to be for them to say, you know what, screw it, we're making another Paul George trade? My guess is summer 2023 is when you start even considering that. That's when the new CBA is supposed to be here. And I think that that, that will be the point where they're like, okay, we have guards. What Do we need a forward? Do we need a big man? What do, what do we need? Because you're right, they can't use all these picks. And some of these Rockets picks are going to start to become pretty valuable. And at that point, do they want another rookie? I mean, the answer could be yes, because like they added Steven Adams in the middle of that Kevin Durant team. So maybe the answer is yes to that, because they want controllable assets. But it also depends on how good these guys look next year as well. Because I think they want to add another high lottery pick this summer. I think they'd like to do that again next summer. And then you have enough like blue chip prospects to figure out what to do next, whether you trade one of them like they did with Jeff Green back in the day, or you keep all of them, you like them, and you're just going to form a team around them. I think that that's when you look to figure out. And and it's also like, you know, Fred, like it's dependent on who wants out, who's their agent, who do, do they like Oklahoma City at all? Are they somebody that's going to be looking to go to Los Angeles right away? I mean, the Thunder have done a good job with guys like Paul George and Chris Paul of maintaining the asset by getting them here and everything's pretty pleasant. And then when they want to go somewhere, they let them go somewhere. However, if you're trying to sustain success, that's not exactly the the blueprint for that. So to me, it's just it's going to be about. Like the personality of, of whoever's available too, because I don't think that they would just. It's an interesting get point there. Yeah, I mean that is the Paul George Chris Paul parallel is is really fair. It's like guys that that had a great way about them when they were there and they were quote unquote all in, but then behind the scenes they had this kind of tacit agreement that when when I see you know um, something better, then you're not going to stop me at the door. Yeah. So. Interesting it's, stuff. It's, it's hard. It's hard for to to build a team here just because you can't just make trades to get the team that you want. Like you could do that for a year, maybe two years, like they did with PG. But they've got to if they want that same like sustained success. It's got to be through the draft. And like some people, are like oh, I can't believe the Thunder have been tanking for so long, or why are they doing this? This is crazy. Or they'll screenshot like the players that they're playing on any given night and be like, this is insanity. But it's like. There's not a lot of options for Oklahoma City when it comes don't to team building. I think it's a coincidence, and you know this. I'm, I find it so fascinating that um, so many of the draft picks being international, that I think there's just generally in the NBA an idea that the the Nikola Jokic's of the world, the Giannis yeah. Antetokounmpo's, that culturally, that you know, if you don't grow up in America and you don't look at New York and LA a certain way you don't have it hardwired into you that Oklahoma city is, excuse me, is somehow, you know, subpar to any other market, then you probably increase the odds of, if you have a good experience of that player being willing to be part of that sustained success. 
without a doubt. It's not by accident. Yeah. You got Shea, who's Canadian, Dort's Canadian. You got Josh Giddy's Australian. You got Poku, who had a triple-double last night. I mean, they're all... I mean, I, I don't think that that's an accident. And you, I think they want to keep... They want to keep their guys for a long time, and the AAU culture uh, probably is not very kind to Oklahoma City. Right, right. All right, gentlemen. Um, last and least, you know, normally the saying goes the other way. Last and least, you're Los Angeles Lakers. We normally are shameless, and we lead with the Lakers, and we try to get the the listeners, you know, hooked because this is the you know probably the most high profile team. In the league, but we're kicking them to the back for this one because, my goodness, what a disappointing season. They're not officially mathematically out yet. Uh, as we do this pod, they got four games left. The Spurs also have four games left. They're two games back. Uh, they also don't have the tiebreaker to San Antonio, so they've got to have a, a minor miracle for something to happen here. Um, but Fred, as Andrew has to bounce, but Schleck, thank you very much for the OKC commentary. Fred, uh, let's breeze through stuff that we've talked about a decent amount already on previous pods. The, the Lakers are going to, you know, I'd be very surprised if Frank Vogel is back, you know, so I think you're looking at a coaching change there. Uh, I think you're looking at a, a pretty aggressive effort to get off of Russell Westbrook's contract. Um, you know, there's been some chatter. I know, you know, I know chatter. I don't know how to identify it, but you know, Brian Windhorst, friend and colleague at ESPN had kind of said that he wouldn't be stunned if they, considered trading Anthony Davis. You know, we have the LeBron situation. They got a little squirrely at the trade deadline. I, I don't think LeBron's going to want to go anywhere, but, you know, I think they're going to have to have some hard conversations. Uh, what do you see with these Lakers? I just have, I'm confused to see what their steps to get better are beyond the obvious Anthony Davis and LeBron James stay healthy for a full season. And, you know, Davis playing 39 games this year obviously hurt them. But it's not like... He's delusional, by the way. I don't mean to interrupt, but did you see some of these interviews within the past couple days of... of, And and they've all done this, of AD just pulling the card of, we'll never know what this team could have been if we were healthy? Yes, I did. Uh, They were .8 points per 100 possessions better when Anthony Davis was on the floor this year. They were still getting outscored by three points per 100 with Anthony Davis on the floor. Right. When when AD and Westbrook and LeBron were out there, they were not good enough to be a really good team. Uh, and Anthony Davis shot 19% from three this year. I'm not saying Anthony Davis had a bad year. I'm saying Anthony Davis had a bad year for Anthony Davis standards. Uh, it was, it didn't work. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis bringing up, he brought up Kendrick Nunn missing, missing the year as, as a big thing. They're going to lose 50 games, very possibly. They're 31 and 47 right now. They have a tough final four games. We'll see how many of those LeBron plays in. They could very well lose 50 games. I mean, we're not talking about a team that's just off. And it's um, it's it's just going to be really interesting to see how they try to reconfigure this roster because they need the proper types of role players around LeBron, around Anthony Davis. Russell Westbrook has a $47 million player option for next year, which I'm sure he's going to pick up. And we'll see what they do with that because it it just kind of felt like they were the last team that wanted Russ. You know, Houston traded for yeah. Russ. And then when Houston was trying to trade Russ after he demanded the trade there, there just wasn't really a market for him. And they ended up just kind of big contract swapping with John Wall and the Wizards. And when the Wizards went to trade Westbrook, I, to my knowledge, I mean, the only 
team that they spoke to at all, in part because Westbrook requested the trade there, was was the Lakers. I just I don't know who the other team that's going to be dying to take on Russell Westbrook is. I I don't know if if one exists. I, people talk about oh Russ won't be in L.A. next year, and don't get me wrong, that's definitely plausible, and and there are ways that it could happen. I just I don't think the odd. I think the odds of I mean, you can stretch the Lakers them. That's, you can wave and stretch them. That's the other extreme uh, option. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just it's going to be difficult for them to get better. It's not like the defense was really good and they couldn't score. It's not like the offense was really good and they couldn't defend. They're twenty third in offense and they're twenty third in defense. Um, and it's just it feels like they're you know who knows how many great LeBron years you have left. I'm just. They're they're in a really they're in a really tough situation. They are indeed. All right. Now that was the lightest Lakers analysis we've had all year, but I am gonna go ahead and cut it off there, brother. We've gone pretty long this week. We got plenty of time to we'll probably do an entire Lakers pod here in the next month or so. Um I appreciate you. Uh good luck on where what are your Knicks doing next? What do they got down the home stretch here before you get to uh, start planning your vacations? Oh, Knicks Nets game of the year. Hey now. It's going to be a huge one at the Garden on Wednesday. Bing bong right there. What hey, it's huge the for the days? Nets. They're on 10th right now. It is, which, well, I mean, yes. They can they can sneak into the 8th. They're a game behind the Hawks if they want to not have to win twice to get out of the play-in. Um, you know, this is Kyrie with that very strange Instagram social media post about where you know they're at as a team weirdness with the nets but that's for another day thank you brother for talking about all these squads that are about to say uh one two three cancun and uh and we will talk to you next week 